Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Here at Hills Baptist Lobethal, we are doing a series called Hearts Ablaze, working our way through the book of Acts, and we're motoring along pretty quickly. That is Haley. Thank you for reading the word of the Lord. And it is a big chunk of scripture, but anyway, how, how long do you want to stay here for? Well, that was a really overwhelming response <laughs> from two of you. But it is good to hear the word read. And uh, I, I, there is actually blessing in hearing the word of God read to us. Uh, and I encourage you to do that, even in your own private devotions. There are so many... Uh, techno things available to us in this day and age to be able to do that. It's great to hear and be blessed as we hear the word. And I I, want to add to that, uh, this is the word of the Lord that we hear read. And that's a good thing to do in our worship. So we are moving along. Thank you too, Beck, for reminding us about what it means to be family and food. We had a saying in one of the churches I pastored that food works. Then I discovered somebody pinched our sign. But anyway, food does work. And for the, for the sake of just going a little bit longer, I'll chop it off the sermon. No, I won't. Uh, in one of our churches, we used to have the hot dog parade. After every service, there was a Frankfurt or a hot dog in a, in a piece of bread. You got the deal? And they come in in the morning and boil up this huge big pot of hot dogs. And everybody get on the roster and do that. They couldn't wait for church to finish or for me to stop preaching. So they could all line up. And there was this huge big line of people waiting to get their hot dog. So this is my most poignant memory of the hot dog and the fact that food actually works. We had a dear old lady in the congregation who uh, sadly had on, uh, adult onset polio. So in her late 40s, I believe it was, she, she got this and she was slightly stooped as a person. But she was the most remarkable lady and full of energy and so forth. She also was one to follow the rules. And I remember one day lining up at the pot as we shuffled through getting our bit of bread and the hot dog. She's serving. She had the tongs in one hand and she had the gloves on, right? So she picks up the hot dog Except the only problem was she picked up the hot dog with the ungloved hand. (laughs) I thought it was really funny. Because you know how how super careful we are about all those sorts of things. But she had the glove on the tonged hand and that was really good. (laughs) Huge. I could tell you other stories about that lady but it's not permissible in church. Right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that we've heard it read to us. It opens the door for us to explore just a little more of what you want to say to us this morning. And we ask now in Jesus' name that you'd help me as I share, but also help us all to hear your word. Thank you for the prayers that have been offered in this place this morning for people who have gone to be with you in glory and our general needs. And we pray Along too with that, the whole world, as Chant was reminded us earlier, is a place that so definitely needs you. So we ask for your blessing in this time together, and we ask it because you're good, 
and we're thankful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Christian church has always been a missionary church. Say missionary. Good. Try again. Missionary. missionary. And turn to somebody and say, you're a missionary if you believe in Jesus right now. Before I could go to the end of the sermon straight away, if you like, say, you're a missionary. Oh, short it. You're a misho. All right. The Christian church has always been a missionary organisation. It was designed that way. It was brought into being for that purpose. And when it stops actually being a missionary body as such, when it stops sending people into the world to tell others about the gospel, about Jesus, then it kind of loses its power and in essence stops being the church. You know what Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you know, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will, you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses and you'll go to, to uh, four, places. four places and they are? Samaria and the ends of the earth, which means, which means you put the picture of the church. Oh, man, this is a body, isn't it? Lothar, all of that. It's absolutely true. So this, this missionary enterprise began way back there when, well, it's always been, isn't it? God is actually ascending God. And Jesus said when he, uh, he uh, had ascended, um, before he ascended rather, his resurrection appearances, he said he's going, uh, going to all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations, to all the people groups. These are amazing conversations and this morning is going to be a little bit about reminding us of one of the great purposes of why we exist as church, why we exist. The story that we read in Acts is the, is the story of this new founded Christian movement unfolding and we see Jesus followers getting involved in missionary adventure. Whoever would have thought that when you became a Christian, you set out on massive adventure? Have you found the Christian life to be an adventurous life? Yeah? Full of surprises, full of unexpected happenings, but all good. Things that you never, ever thought possible suddenly become very real in your lives. And this story in Acts tells us that these early believers, they, they call themselves the people of the way, Jesus people, they get involved in this missionary adventure. And just like us, they didn't always find it easy. I don't know whether they had to set up chairs in Antioch or whatever, whether they sat on the ground, but they had to do things together, yeah? Some lost their lives as they went. Some were reluctant to go. Some were scared. Who's scared about sharing your faith? Don't put up your hands. But from time to time, it's not always easy to get anxious sometimes about sharing your love for Jesus. How do I go about that? How do I share that in a way that people hear me? How do I share it in a way they just don't write me off as some sort of weirdo? Just like us. But these people went and the church grew. And it wasn't just a little backwards organisation or a happening in a Palestinian village someplace, but it went wider and beyond and broader and they took towns and cities, large cities and even empires. Who would have thought that the oppressor Rome would bow 
to Jesus. But that's what happened 300 or so years later. There's a whole lot of historical stuff about that, but I'm just giving you that broad brush understanding of how this group of Christians who heard God speaking to them went and talked about Jesus. Now, the beginnings of this movement, this great movement, were probably not all that auspicious. Uh, Certainly in the eyes of the the, the then observing world, they were basically just seen as a little sect and the Jewish faith saw them as dangerous. And even from our world with its advantage perched on the observation post of history, it didn't have a very big fanfare beginning. It just began. It was simply a group of people wanting to do the will of the Lord, seeking him, fasting, praying and worshipping him, desiring to go and tell. Who would have ever dared think that the church would change the history of nations and of the world? And the place where all that began was Antioch. The group were a part of the church. There were church leaders there, prophets and teachers. In this context, the beginnings of a purposeful, spirit-led and directed movement began and it's lasted through to this day and keeps on going. Do you ma- have you any idea how many people actually come to Jesus over this Sunday as the world turns its 24-hour circle? There will be millions of people across this world will come for the very first time and give their lives to Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Every day that goes past, God's wonderful arms of grace are open because he doesn't want anybody to perish and more and more people are coming to know who Jesus is. In the Muslim world, more and more people are having dreams, waking up in the middle of the night, having revelations of Jesus and Messiah, not just the prophet, bowing their knees to Jesus. And even though the world is a dark place, as we've been reminded this morning, yes it is, but even though in that darkness the light of the gospel keeps penetrating and people are coming to know who Jesus is. And one thing I want to remind you of this morning, sisters and brothers, and we are part of it. We are connected to the reading that Haley brought to us. It all began back there in Antioch, but before that began in Jerusalem, And then as it's moved from the Jewish people, it's now in amongst the Gentiles. And here they are in this church in Antioch, in this very spirit-led and directed movement, which has lasted through to now. The Holy Spirit said, as they were praying and worshipping, the Holy Spirit said. Now listen to this. God is a speaking God. God is a speaking God. Yes, primarily he speaks to us through his word, yeah? But he speaks. And as such, we listen to him. The more our ears are open, (laughs) even with hearing aids in them, we get to hear. We get to hear God speaking to us. Now, I want to spend a few moments on this church where these People were worshipping. They were certainly a worshipping community. And here's the thing. It's actually when they're at worship that the Holy Spirit speaks. Here's a clue for the church. If you want to see Hills Baptist Labethal grow or Hills Baptist grow right across the, the region, and not just them, other churches in our region, which I'll always refer to the church, most likely that's going to happen when we're worshipping God. 
Worship is so, so important. I don't know whether uh, you as an individual or as churches or as God's people have have ever uh, done the purpose-driven life thing that Rick Warren's church put on years ago. It's a great... I'm not a great program person, or never have been, although I love Alpha. That's never been involved in lots of Alpha things, never ever done an Alpha without seeing people come to the Lord or their lives significantly changed. Always seems to be. And the Purpose Driven Life was a bit like that. I don't know whether you've read Rick Warren's book, but it starts with these words, the opening words are, it is not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. We were created to worship. So Jeff Bingham used to remind people, if you don't worship God, you'll worship something else. Your heart aches to worship because that's what's in you. That's what you were made for. That's what the church is made for. I mean, there are basically four things that a church does to be the church. It's got to worship. It's got to evangelise. That means to share the faith. It's got to serve together. And it's got to fellowship. Those are the four basic things that, that make a church what it is. Without, with one of those missing, you, you, you're not really what God wants you to be in that sense. So this whole thing of worship is so crucial. And we actually, we actually come alive when we worship. I'm not just talking about what we do up the front, although it's incredibly valuable to have people leaders who are gifted to do that and help us lift uh, ourselves and see the presence of God come down on a group of people. But it's a whole of life thing, isn't it? It's in everything we do. And the, this, 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 um, this early community were worshipping. The, the actual word here is a word from which we probably get the word liturgy, but it actually means to serve. So firstly, they were worshipping. Now, the second thing I want to say about this church is that they're called the ecclesia. The ecclesia. The ecclesia means in the in the Greek it means the called out ones. It means the ones who are called. Somewhere in your life you heard God calling you in your head and in your heart. And it might have begun when you're a little tiny kid and somebody did a kid's talk up the front of the church, right? Or it might have been when you're out on your tractor, or it might have been when you were at work or it might have been when you were driving your car or whatever, but somewhere this call went on and you began to hear God calling you, yes? People say, oh, to me, when did you get the call to be a pastor? I think, you've all been called. (laughs) It's just a giftedness, yeah? There's giftedness, but the calling is on the church. Now, God had called out a significant group of people out of paganism, if you like, out of darkness, out of not wanting him, out of Judaism, and he calls them to be his people. So you're the called ones here at Hills Baptist Lobethal, the ecclesia. So here's the thing. We don't go to church. We are the church. Yay! Say, we are the church. Don't have to say yay, but we are the church. Yes? Well, we'll do it again with a yay, shall we? We are the church. Yay! So you didn't go to church this morning. You already were the church. Heather and I, as we were travelling along, were the church. 
and Jesus was in the car with us, which was good because it probably helped me drive properly and prevented us having an argument before we got to worship. But nobody else ever has an argument as you drive to church, would you? Not one that you admit to anyway. So we don't go to church. We are the church. And what an incredible breakthrough that is when we actually get it. How good is that? It shifts our paradigm enormously and we no longer are focused on what we get, but what we actually, what's the other word for get? Give. And when we start to give, we make an impact in our world. So the Holy Spirit spoke and worshippers listened and a missionary movement was born. Now, the Bible tells us, it's quite explicit here, tells us there were a group of church leaders. Barnabas, well, we've met Barnabas in our previous Acts excursions. He's, a, he's an encourager. He's a church leader. There's Simeon or Niger, and he's probably most likely a black African. There's Lucius, and he may have been one of the early preachers. And there's Manain. He was the foster brother of the bad Herod. And there was Saul. What a mix of people. Can you see what the church looks like already? Already this mix of people. And they're at worship. They're fasting. Won't talk too much about fasting this morning, as you can see. I need to. But anyway, uh, they're worshipping and they're fasting and they're listening to God. And so the Holy Spirit wants Barnabas and Saul to leave Antioch and go where he wanted them to go. See how important it is to listen to God. And the Bible says this, they fasted, they prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. This is a major moment in the history of the world, not just the church. Nobody would have ever thought it. It's a major watershed happening. Why? Well, it would have been so very easy for the church at Antioch to get very grumpy about this leadership decision. After all, the church was going gangbusters. Things were really happening. There was great teaching. The Bible tells us that. It was a great church. People were encouraged. People were in. It was growing. And the Holy Spirit says, I want two of your pivotal leaders in effect, I want your two best people. I wasn't saying they were, I'm just saying that in effect, right? And the church lets them go and actually sends them out with blessing. Why is that? Well, here's why I think it is, because the gospel needs to be told. And when people try and hold the gospel to themselves... The church doesn't do what it's meant to do. That's actually true individually. We're all different. We're not all evangelists. You know what an evangelist is. An evangelist just can't stop yapping about Jesus, yeah? And uh, according to the church growth experts and all the rest of them, I say about 10% of a church congregation will have the gift of evangelism. Other people say about 3%. In other words, not very many of us are extroverted people who can't stop talking about Jesus no matter what. We'd go outside and we'll talk to a tree about Jesus, yeah? You with me? But we are all witnesses, yes? 
Because that's what the Bible says. Not what John says, what the Bible says. And when we unplug the witness valve of the church, most amazing things begin to happen. So let's try and apply that for just a moment. As we get out with the Jesus story, we've got to realise, I think, the church today cannot afford to be selfish. The more we give away, the more we get. The more Hills intentionally focuses on mission and gets involved in it, the more the Holy Spirit will lead and direct and open doors and more and more people will fill buildings and more and more people will come in off the streets and more and more people occupy seats and the more they will go out and so the movement will grow. And we don't need to hear the dark rhetoric of the world that says the church is over and done because the church is not over and done. It's just booming. So we're away. And on the, on the screen here, you might see a map. With, the mission begins with just three people. If you've got a Bible in your back of your Bible, you'll find these maps. But these are basically the, the missionary journeys that Paul and his companions went on. The first one, I think, is in that purpley-looking colour. You can see where it goes around that region of Asia Minor. Bit hard to make out, I know it's the best I can do, and so that's that. So from now on, this this group of people, the three John, John Mark, Barnabas, and Saul, just three of them, off they go, and uh, and from there, after one event after another, as the book of Acts unfolds for us, they go to towns, they go to cities, they go to synagogues where people worship, or riverbanks, or city halls, or markets, or city squares, or prisons. It doesn't matter. As they go, they start telling people about Jesus Christ, right? And it doesn't matter. Wherever people would listen, they were there. That's such an important missional principle. If people don't want to listen to you, don't worry about that. Move on to the next bunch. Because somewhere, that group that you talk to one day might want to listen. But right now, if they don't want to hear, Paul, Barnabas moved on and they told the next group who wanted to hear. There is an important missional principle in all of that. We beat ourselves up sometimes because we think people don't listen to us. But it's the Holy Spirit who's doing his work on people as we share the word. And in God's good time, he will draw people to himself because he promises to do that. So at the start of chapter 13, there are windows on the activity that Paul, Barnabas and John Mark get involved in. And I'll go through them fairly quickly. The first is they went to Cyprus, which was Barnabas's hometown, and then to Salamis, travelling through the whole island, then Paphos. And what takes place is a real opener. They meet um, a, a, a man called Sergius Paulus, who's actually, it's interesting, it says he's an intelligent man. Why would you put that this bloke, Sergius Paulus, a he was a proconsul, he was a leader, he was right up there, sort of head of state of a place. Why would you say he was intelligent? We didn't need to know that, did we? Well, I think we did need to know it. See, sometimes there's this perception that to become a Christian requires you to remove your intellect. You're kind of dumb if you believe that stuff. Why would you believe God created the whole world? Why would you believe in the creation story? Our brother Dave is doing a thing at the moment about reclaiming the rainbow, trying to put that whole thing in context of what it actually means to believe what we believe. Some of the most intelligent people in the world have been Christians. Let me tell you this. You don't screw off your head, throw it in the corner because you become a Christian. 
In actual fact, it becomes more important for you to use the good brain that God gave you, yes? So Sergius Paulus is an intelligent person and the Bible also tells us that he's a seeker. He's an inquirer. I love that. Most seekers usually seek from the back of the church. They're just on the edge, on the periphery, looking, trying to find out, what's this about? What do, you, what do you people believe? And he's intrigued because this missionary movement's spreading and he's hearing words about the, the church growing in his region and all that sort of stuff. And he says, I want to know what this is about. We need to pray for lots of seekers. Now, there's a certain other fellow in this story, Elamas, and he's not impressed. He's a, a Jewish false prophet. He's actually a magician. He's, he's into magic. He's a court magician in the, uh, to this Roman governor. And he wants to turn Sergius Paulus away from the faith. That's the old, old story. Elamas saw his power, his position, his money, his influence all going out the window because of a, a, a trio of travelling mishos. And he doesn't want his boss to become a Christian. This is really interesting, isn't it? Very often when you turn to Jesus, some of the people in your family might oppose you because they don't want you getting caught up in this thing. They don't want you getting caught up in this, this weird stuff. Elemas wanted money. The narrative that takes place in Acts 13, verse 9 to 11 is rather interesting, isn't it? Because he ends up on the, he might have been sort of turned to the dark side, but he ends up in real strife because he, blindness comes down on him. As Paul says he's most amazing, you son of the devil, you are always trying to pervert the ways of the Lord. I haven't got a lot of, time to go into all of that but I think that's an absolute power encounter right there and I'll come back to that next stage of this mission they went to Pisidian Antioch and they find themselves there and there's a couple of interesting things it's here that Saul's name changes to Paul that's rather interesting it's now Paul and Barnabas and we know him probably more as Paul really as Saul Paul would have been a name accepted by the Gentiles and Saul is a Jewish name, so there's nothing usual, unusual there. But Paul is now the leader. There's been a transition. Barnabas has sort of been the one encouraging it all, but, but Paul steps up into the, lead, to the leadership role. There's no doubt about that. And there's another thing. John Mark leaves the team, goes back to Jerusalem, doesn't say why at that point. But Paul and Barnabas, later we'll read in Acts, have a really big argument about this young man. <laughs> That's interesting. Whoever thought church would be perfect, yeah? Whoever thought you'd spend your life in church and there'd never be an argument or a disagreement? Wrong. These things happen. But it's what you do with it. That's the issue, yeah? Anyway, Paul had a method worked out. Here was his method. He would go to the synagogue, rustle up the Jews Tell them the gospel from the Old Testament. If they rejected that, he would then go to the Gentiles in the region. So he preaches a sermon in the synagogue. And it's a great sermon. The first point was he takes the Old Testament and he says, this is what God has been doing for you Jewish people over all the time of history. He's been preparing you as a nation to give the world a saviour and you need to bow your knee to him. That's his first point. His second point is he says... You know what? 
You Jews have been hoping for the resurrection, yes? Well, I want to tell you it's coming, but it's actually come in the person of Jesus. He died and was buried and rose again. So he speaks about the resurrection. In fact, he hones in on the death and the resurrection of Jesus and he tells the crowd that this is the good news. Let me say this to you people. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus that we need to tell our world about. In a world that's dumbed down death, that's sanitised the whole thing of death, where people still die, have you noticed that? Death has an amazingly alarming statistic. One out of one dies. If there's not hope, then what? Yeah? If there's not hope, what? You think we live all this life just to pass? No, we don't. Jesus is the Jesus of resurrection. And that's good news because people actually fear death and they get worried about it. From little tiny kids right through to 90-year-olds and 100-year-olds. Get scared. And we've got to know that Jesus came back out of that grave. And he is alive. We don't have to wait for Easter Day to celebrate it. Good that we do. But it's every day. And as Charlton reminded us this morning, our next breath is not guaranteed. So Jesus is the Jesus of resurrection. And that's the good news. And the third point is that Paul says, now, actually, you've got to believe it. You've got to believe that we've got salvation now and forgiveness of sins. And that's so important too, isn't it? So he says, God's been preparing you. Jesus is the resurrection. The third point is, it's good news about salvation and forgiveness of sins. And that's true then and it's true today, isn't it? That's the excellent news that we propose. And uh, sorry, um, go and, and tell. And only God forgives us in Jesus. And only God can justify us and set us free from the law. And we simply cannot put ourselves right with God. We've talked about that a lot. And then the last point is that Paul says to this group of people in the synagogue as he preaches, you better watch out, folks, because if you don't get it, you're going to come under the judgment of God. And he calls for a response. And as it happened there, it happens today, there's always mixed reactions. In Pisidian, there was immediate response, so much so that I love that. I don't know how big the city was, but the whole city came out here next Saturday, Paul preaching. What a thing that was. But wherever there's something like that happens, there's always opposition, and the Jews hated Paul and Barnabas, and they wanted to get them shuffed out of that place. So as a result of that sermon, a church was started, believers happened, the word of the Lord spreads, and persecution and expulsion happened. But here's the thing. No matter what, Paul and Barnabas just kept plodding on. Can you hear that? Just show up, people. Somebody said once, life is 95% showing up. Just show up. So... Contrary to great expectations, we're going to try and finish fairly quickly. These are great passages, and there are so many more now to come in the book of Acts as this whole missionary story unfolds in our thinking, in our 
praying in our, as we apply it to 21st century living. So what are the life changes? What are the, the takeaways for you? And what are, the, what are the faith builders for Hills Baptist Lobethal? What are the things that we want to build into the DNA of this congregation as, as, as we grow? Well, the first is power encounters. Wherever there's mission, I think we ought to expect that some form of power encounter will happen. When dark and light clash, there's got to be some sort of power encounter. And Satan does not like to let people go. He hates the preaching of the gospel and will at times go to extreme measures to stop people coming to faith. But he always overplays his hand. And I think we ought to be awake to that, not just sort of say, oh, yeah, it's all, it's all easy peasy, uh, you know, just, no, we don't have to worry about ruffling too many feathers and whatever. We will ruffle feathers because the enemy doesn't want to let go of the people who are in bondage or caught. So we can expect it, but we don't have to be terrified by it. So it's a, it's a thing to pray about these things. At Paphos, there was this amazing happening and Paul dealt with it in a so un-21st century way. We are so tolerant of everybody and everything. We live in this age of tolerance. But here's the thing, if you're going to follow Jesus, I'm sorry to say this to you, and I want to say it to encourage you without, without you know, it's, it's a hard thing to say, but in a way when you sign up for Jesus, in one way you become an intolerant person. Why? Because you say this, there is only one way to know God, that's through Jesus. And other people are saying, oh, there are lots of ways to God and we can work our way there or we can, we can have a little bit, of a little bit of mysticism on the side or, or we can actually get into a bit of meditation or we can do this and we can do that. But the Bible says, the Bible says, I am the way, the truth and the life, says Jesus. Nobody comes home to the Father except through me. There had to be his death on the cross. He knew that he was going to die on the cross for him to say that to his followers. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not that we are not inclusive. It's not that we don't care about people. It's not that we don't want to stretch out our arms to everybody and anybody and tell them about Jesus. But we're just simply saying you don't come home through Buddha. You don't come home through Muhammad. You only come home through Jesus. Why on earth, in other words, would... Would God be sending dreams and visions to Muslim people in the middle of the night to wake them up? Why would they suddenly wake up and see Jesus standing at the end of their bed saying, I am the one who died and was buried and rose again. I'm not just a prophet. I'm the Lord of heaven and earth. Come on, get out of bed and follow me. So there is that kind of intolerant edge with us, but not in a nasty way. There's no room for nastiness. There's no room for being belligerent and all that stuff. It's just we believe what we believe. And when, when, uh, when, when Elymas went at Paul, Paul said, you are full of the devil and you're going to go blind for a while. And I've seen things like that happen in my ministry, let me tell you now. I've seen people come under the judgment of God because they didn't want to yield to God. And it wasn't until they yielded to God that in his grace and his openness, in life, he brought them back into the family, yeah? Because sometimes that has to happen. So living with ambiguity and living in a world where tolerance is the key or the master of everything, this is a hard gig for us. 
But let me encourage you, don't be frightened. Don't be frightened. And don't always try and wrap your arms around people that want to punch you in the face because you believe in Jesus. I love what David Pawson used to say. He said, there's more hope when people get cranky about God than there is for people who say, oh, yes, that's nice. In this postmodern world in which we live where people say, oh, yes, that's your truth. You can have your truth. doesn't matter about it. You just have your truth. Isn't that nice? But this is my truth. Don't be frightened of that stuff. The postmodern world's like kind of going to the MCG to watch the crows get beaten by Essendon or whatever. And when you go out there, instead of there being goalposts, they've got a soccer game going on. It kind of doesn't fit. You follow me? Don't be frightened by it. Stick to your course, my brothers and sisters. The second thing is that it's... Uh, and by the way, Paul's judgment was the Holy Spirit's judgment. What in him? Second, only the, the gospel is a people changer. That's so, in, so important. And, and we, when we preach it, we can believe the gospel to come and change people. When it's preached, we should expect response. It's about the cross, the resurrection of Jesus, the, death of, the def, defeat of death and the wonderful forgiveness of sins. It's good news. And there's nothing wrong with the church telling people, yes, you've tried everything now, but here's the good news. I, I knew when I was a, uh, sitting in the pastor's office doing pastoral counselling or whatever, I knew most times that people who walked in off the street to see me, I knew that I was their last resort. They'd already tried everything else. And they walked in, maybe there is a God. And maybe people come to church and say, oh, I, maybe there is a God. So as we welcome people to church in the worship context and all the rest of it, we're inviting them into our space, the gospel space, as they investigate and they search it out like Sergius Paulus did. We've got to preach that gospel. We don't want people to go to hell. Not meant for that. God never made human beings for judgment. He made them for life. We want people to hear there's new birth. We want people to hear there's new beginnings. We want people to hear there's hope for now and, and life forever, yeah? Now, there's a very interesting thing also that goes down here in Paul's preaching, and I've kind of hinted at it already, but Paul is also not afraid to warn his hearers that if they don't understand the gospel, if they don't want the gospel, then judgment will come. And in an age of tolerance, as I've already said, that's a huge challenge for us. And so we need to warn people about judgment as well as we warn them about grace and love. And lastly, let's get involved, church. Antioch was a sending church. Paul and Barnabas went. Antioch was involved. And we here at Hills Baptist Lobethal are part of a great missionary movement. Do you believe that? Say Amen. If you believe that, then church is not about us or you. It's about them. And if it's about them, then nothing will stop us from doing everything in our power to let them know. 
We can believe God for more. We can pray for more. We can believe for more. We can give God our praise. Let's stand together as we begin to do that right now and as the worship team come. Are we on God's missionary team? Prayer, worship, belief, boldness. What are you praying for? The Holy Spirit's power, the word of God, mission at large. So here's the thing. It's not just me talking to you as an individual, though that's often how we hear it all, but we are, we're in this together, yeah? We're in this together, that's good. And we're not on our own. And the best of all, Jesus, our captain, our saviour, our master, our Lord is with us. He's with us. And he sends his spirit and the power of God is on us as we go. So let's sing about that and then I'll come and close off our time. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.